0: Thank <laughs> you. Melbourne's diverse poetry scene. Poets using their voices to entertain, to move, to take you on a journey. Connecting you to grassroots poetry and performance. Good morning and welcome to the 3CR Spoken Word Program. My name is Di Cousins and today I'm speaking to Tui On about her new book, Decadence. Welcome, Tui. Ah,
1: hi, Di. Thanks for having me.
0: It's uh, great to have you on the show and I'm um, congratulations on your new book. Thank you. And this is your second book of poetry, isn't it? Yes, it is. Yes, um, and uh, and but you have a number of other roles. What what are you working on outside of poetry at the moment?
1: I'm currently the reviews editor of arts Hub, which is an online publication that surveys art across the country.
0: Amazing. Fine art,
1: yeah, fine arts, um, books, and also live performance.
0: Great, great. So, um, how long did it take you to put Decadence together?
1: Not that long, Di. I kind of wrote the bulk of it when we were all in lockdown. Back, remember that? Yes. Back in Melbourne's, uh, Melbourne's long season of lockdowns, I can't remember exactly when and how I wrote it, but yeah, the most of it most of it was written during our unseasonably long lockdowns in Melbourne. So didn't have much else to do, frankly.
0: Yeah, there was um it was a good time to read and reflect and do a bit of writing in spite of I mean, and there was certain kind of content available as well, you know, with the navigating the rules.
1: Yes, exactly. And I just thought I might as well be productive because we weren't really allowed to do much else. so mm-hmm. instead of seeing things, I might as well create things.
0: Yeah, great. So I noticed a variety of themes in Decadence. Um, Would you like to tell the listener how you divided up the poems? Decadence
1: was divided into three sections. Meta is about language. It's a playful take on language and the publishing industry in Australia. Physical is about a six-month relationship I had with a man and it follows the trajectory of our fling, I guess. And space is is a more general and wider section about the connection and disconnection of people and places.
0: Yeah, well, it's interesting because you have such an insider point of view about the literary industry because you worked in it. You previously worked for The Big Issue and... Now you work for Arts Hub and uh, I think you, you're a judge in various contests and so you know a lot about the literary industry. I um, think so, I do, yes. Yeah, and, um, not a, but at the same time you're a creative and that, that's not always a common crossover that uh, the people who run the business end or the review end are also creatives.
1: I think I am in a pretty privileged position, Diane, in that I do occupy both ends of the spectrum. I am, you know, on the sort of uh, the so-called gatekeeper side. I've been a literary critic for over 20 years. So I know what it's like to be a critic and to judge other people and, you know, to purvey what's going on in Australian literature. But, you know, I've been a poet, like a published poet, for the last two years. So I also have that vulnerability as a creator. So I know what it's like to have your work out there and for it to be read and, and judged by other people. So it, it gives me a sense of humility, I guess, being a poet as well as a, as a critic.
0: Yes, I think it would be wonderful if more people could cross both ends of the spectrum. I think that would be tremendously valuable for everyone. Anyway, let's get to some of the poems. What would you like to read first? I'm going to read a
1: poem called "Word Slut." It's deliberately titled because, really, decadence. When people think of the word decadence, they usually associated die with, uh, you know, either sex or food. So I thought I'm going to write a poem about words, really, but but you know, related to the word decadence. Hence, "Word Slut." Yep. I'm so lascivious. I don't care which ones I go with, roll around with. Those short, nubby ones, the long, elegant ones, the ones from a Mongol mixed race that fit like rough marbles in your mouth. A bit of this at the front, a bit of that at the rear, polysyllables that jostle for equal attention, the everyday vanilla ones, and the special occasions only used to impress. Such oral delights. I like them every which way.
0: It's very humorous.
1: I just want to write a poem about my love for language, that I didn't care, you know, what words looked like or, and, or shapes and sizes. They're all equally uh, appealing.
0: Yes, and, and it's funny how people sometimes think there's a, a greater value in longer words, whereas your short words can have more punch quite a lot of the time.
1: Yeah, shorter words and shorter sentences can be far more effective than long, very windy, you know, amorphous words that just go on forever. So I think variety and versatility is the key here if you are a writer. You need uh, to employ all kinds of words, not just sort of pretentious, pompous words, but little small words as well.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think um, there's great power in small words. Anyway, yeah. Um So now there's another one here in the meta section called Grant Me. Would you like to read that?
1: Yeah, Grant Me I wrote out of a sense of frustration, I guess. And once again, I'm on the privileged position of being on both sides. I have both applied for grants, for literary grants, and I've also been on the other side judging literary grants. So I know what it's like. So this poem kind of came out of my I guess acknowledgement and also my experience of, of applying for grants and, and yeah, assessing them. So it's called Grant Me. Dear Purveyor of Written Goods. Please fill out your name, age, sex, address, race, and pronouns. Degree also looks psychic desperation. In five hundred words minimum, double spaced garamond, PDF. Only state why you are better than the other pen sweaty hordes and thus deserve our largest. Are you young, sexy, poor, humble, ethnic, outside the dominant patriarchal paradigm? Award yourself five points for each category you fulfil. Is there a squiggly line below your name in Microsoft Word? Award yourself ten points if so. Please work this out to the nearest percentage. If the pie is worth 2,000K and you're one of, oh, I don't know, 3,000 entries, what's the likelihood of your gaining a crumb? How large is your Twitter following? Don't lie, we have bot detection software. Have you ever used hashtag Mlighting to show everyone just how productive you are? Have you slept with or otherwise entered a mutually beneficial relationship with any of the following? Agents, publishers, editors, publicists, booksellers, critics. Why not If so? Fucking fuck's sake. We can't do everything, you know. Insert the following in a sentence. Less than 200, but more than 150 words. Creativity, outside the square, exegesis, arts framework, Own Voices, Future Investment, Strategy, Initiative, Diversity, Emerging. Blurb yourself in the omniscient third person as though Tim Winton would have described you mid-surf just after he dodged a rip. Now do it in the second person as though Helen Gardner was scribbling about you while in between husbands in her diary. Name a rifle from the following genres. Rural Noir... Gandinoir, noir, Tarsen noir, and chick lit, chook lit, lit. Bonus two points if your writing can feasibly be set to for under any of these categories. Do you think you can manage a pensive black and white staring into the middle distance author picture? Now, this is a trick question. There's only one answer. Slime here and here and here. To exempt us from damages, if perchance. Unlikely, but you never know, hey? You win! Insert crazy emoticon. And then have a minor breakdown for failing to live up to everyone's collective expectations with your sophomore work, thereby provoking the ire of right-wing colonists hissing about taxpayers' money and sensitive petal wanky artists. Now, go out on a full moon night and scream out, that the literary industry adds immeasurable value to the nation's economical and social capital.
0: Well done, yes. (laughs) It's a very funny poem.
1: Yes, well, it's true. (laughs) and I think it's a very uh, satirical edge, obviously, to grant me, but it's obviously based on experience and the hoops that you have to jump through to get a crumb of any government funding out there is kind of ridiculous.
0: Yeah, and I, I really love this one stanza. Insert the following in a single sentence... Less than 200 but more than 150 words. Creativity, outside the square, exegesis, arts framework, own voices, future investment, strategy, initiative, diversity, emerging. You know, I mean, there's so much formula that uh, goes into these things.
1: Oh, there is. Sometimes you have to almost play. There's like a political game that you have to play. And the more sort of uh, catchphrases that you can fill in, the better
0: your chances. Yes, it's really quite extraordinary. Um, You know, I mean, it just would... I haven't applied for any literary grants myself, but I can imagine it just completely pouring acid on everybody's creativity, having to try and pretend that they fit all of those boxes. It is quite...
1: Soul destroying as well. Trying to define your practice, just whatever arts practice you do,
0: yeah. Trying
1: to fit into the parameters that they expect you to, yeah. Because that's how they judge it, you see.
0: Yes, yes. And and just uh, do you have any suggestions? What would be a better system?
1: No, not really. A universal uh, income for us would be great, but I don't think that's ever going to happen in this country. We're far too conservative. Yeah.
0: yeah, I think a universal basic income would be would be a way a step way ahead.
1: But then you know what, Di? That's going to create its own issue because if there was a no universal basic income, people will apply for it. Obviously, all the artists across all stripes will apply for it, and someone else has to judge the application. You see?
0: Yeah.
1: Who's to judge that your writing is better than mine? Yeah. And you know, worthy of this small amount of money that they can throw at you. So it creates exactly the same problem. Yeah. Because everyone might be given money. You still have to basically compete against all the other races or, or classes.
0: Yeah. I mean a universal basic income would be for everybody who wasn't working. Um and you know, back I'm old enough to remember when the unemployment benefit was at a level you could live on. Mm. Obviously very long time ago. But um, that did function as a kind of arts grant for a lot of people, you know, way back when, uh, before people had to fill in, you know, forty applications a month just to stay on the dole. But anyway, that was a long time ago. So let's move on to physical, which is um, the other, other one of the other two sections of the book.
1: Physical was written. There's, I think, twenty odd poems, and it's about a six month long fling that I had with a man who is now no longer in the country. It was short and sharp, but sweet in its way.
0: Right. Okay. Would you like to read Birdboned?
1: Yeah, I'm going to read Birdboned, which was written about this man. And this was written also in lockdown. And luckily he was within the, whatever it was, 5 or 10K uh, perimeter that we could drive. Yeah. So this is me writing about him. Yeah. Tonight the sky was polished marble slab when I drove home from you. No longer with bright red lipstick, so quietly radiant as the necklace of light on the Westgate Bridge above. Tonight I will sleep with a film of sweat, hair matted and skin tender, scrawled over with your invisible signature, warm from the exchange of breath and the motion of bodies through space. Tonight, the world feels a little less cruel. Surely an agent of benediction, not chaos, led me to you, wild-eyed and bird-boned. That very first time, a tremulous hope caught in the throat, awaiting
0: expression. It's b- that's called Bird-Boned. Very, very beautiful poem.
1: Thank you,
0: Just lovely. Tonight the world feels a little less cruel. Surely yeah. an agent of benediction, not chaos. Lead me to you, Wild-Eyed and bird boned It's just beautiful. Thank you. Yeah, Thank just you know, a lovely yeah, was poem.
1: Yeah, with roses of something when I wrote it, you know. Of, even if, even if this, this little fling or love affair didn't last, it, it made me feel something enough for me to get these words down. So he was amused while he was here.
0: Well, I hope he was more than amused. I hope he was at least touched. <laughs> <laughs> I think um, anyone would be very touched to have that poem written about them.
1: Well, I don't know. Sometimes I wonder if I just write for my own benefit, really, not for these random men who end up, you know, being the subject.
0: Yes. Anyway, um, it, it's, a, it's a wonderful poem. And you've got a few other romantic poems in the section physical, would you like to read another poem from th- that section?
1: Sure. So this one is called For You I Would. And I guess it's quite a spleech and romantic idolization of romantic love. You know, when you're in the throes of passion and you would just kind of wish everything for this person and, and that's good. Well, that was how I felt when I, when I wrote this poem, that I would do anything for this man. For you, I would... Fold the passage of time into small, portable squares. Surrender kites from their strings. Capture the hearts of the geodes. For you I would leave the dark sky clean. Raid the air with veering eagles. Harvest a wild red peoni, Cut through a field of sugarcane. For you I would replace all lacunae with hieroglyphics. Score the stone of us. Soft buff until sheen.
0: Well, another very, very beautiful romantic poem.
1: Yeah. Yeah, as I say, it was written in a quite idolised state of of romantic fervour.
0: It's interesting how it's possible to come down from those wonderful states of bliss. Yeah,
1: well, you know, it's... I write my poems very, very quickly, right after the fact, so it's, it's... I always say that my poems are basically visual, well, not visual, sorry, poetic diaries. So instead of writing, dear diary, this is what happened to me yesterday, I would write a poem about it. That's why there's there's an immediacy and a passion to a lot of them.
0: Yeah, well, um, I like your imagery and um, the depth of your feeling, you know. It's really very, very beautiful. If you've just tuned in, uh, this is the Spoken Word program and I'm talking to Tuion about her new book, Decadence. Now, as we discussed at the beginning, the book's divided into three sections and the third section is Spaces. And uh, what would you like to read from this section?
1: So the third uh, section is called Spaces. It's about, really, just just about the distance between people it's, it's quite a wide-ranging section that includes a lot of things that I couldn't quite fit in the first two sections. I'm going to read one, a small poem called Milk. I don't write very many poems about race. I come from a, a Vietnamese-Australian background. I don't deliberately—I deliberately don't write about race a lot in my poems because it's sort of the least interesting thing about me. But I never really want to forefront it when I write. But every now and then a poem pops up about it and this is one of them. Not why washing my name means I have to proffer a new one so the barista can call out something pale and watery like half-strength English breakfast to wash down the fluffy scones made from full cream, homogenised milk.
0: It must be really tricky with your name getting a coffee order.
1: This is exactly what prompted this poem because I I have my name... My, for coffee order, it's my it's, uh, yeah, my daughter's name, Ava, that's my coffee name. It's easy for them. So oh. I don't remember it is with my real name because it's just, I really just don't even bother. Yeah. But I, 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 I offer them a new one so they can easily identify me.
0: There must be so many little things like that in um, this, you know, mono-language, mono mono-culture that we often find ourselves in.
1: Yeah, but you sort of kind of get used to it. <laughs> and the thing is, getting used to it is just one of those things that you sort of put up with, really, if, if you don't bother changing your name, which I haven't.
0: Yes. So. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you haven't changed your name. Okay, and uh, where will we go next?
1: I'm going to read another poem from the section Spaces. It's the last section called Gifts for Buoyancy. And this was written for a man... He's my current partner who was going through a lot of emotional and mental issues, just, just dealing with life and just struggling a bit. So I wanted to write him a poem that would, in my way anyway, try to help him. So that's why it's called Gifts for Buoyancy, in case he was sort of struggling to stay, to stay buoyant. One In the Tea Black Sea, you're adrenaline lashed, gasping for a future island. The ballast in the lull and lull, an exaltation of likes above. Imagine our whipped whipped sheets, currents to the shore, my arm across your chest, sinuous as a swan neck, sea breath in your ear. Two, I'd like to give you a book of flames, combustible on receipt, a promise of unmasking and unmaking. To raise you shooting green. A bird scrupulous in hoarding memories. Of small embers of radiance. A fistful of red grevilleas. Energy charged by the sun.
0: It's a so lovely. this
1: was to be, yeah, a very hopeful poem. That there are other things in this world that if I could give him, I would. It's a poem full of hope, full of grevilleas and sun and some larks. exultation of larks to try and guide him out of his sort of uh, half-drowning position that he felt he was in.
0: And is after you wrote it, did he feel better?
1: I don't know. I hope so.
0: <laughs> it's a very loving poem.
1: It is. Well, I, most of my poems are never... If people have read Turbulence and they've read Decadence. I write almost obliquely. I don't do explicit, in a way. I approach poetry sort of, you know, on the sideways, and I use a lot of imagery. All of my poems are imagery-based.
0: And who do you count as your influences?
1: Uh, I've wrote an essay about this, which is way too long to try and summarise in, in this interview, but I have, as I wrote about turbulence, uh, when I was at uni, I studied a group of poets, 20th-century poets, called Imagists, they are kind of little, not well known, but they always forefronted the image, and I think I do the same but unlike their poems, which are all quite formalist and quite cold in the way they approached it, I also do, I, I do something different with my poems. I imbue them all with passion and feeling. that's not just about the image, it's the image, but that's just a scaffolding there's 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 real passion, all emotion in my poems. It's not just about, hey, look, there's a pretty picture or look at this flower, isn't it pretty? That's just, you know, the flower or whatever else I'm saying. It's written in service to what I'm feeling at the time.
0: It's um, it's very effective. And um, just for the listener who would like to follow up um, that, you know, thread, uh, who are the famous imagists you would recommend people read?
1: Uh, there are quite a number, but... um probably Ezra Pound. Right. On H D Little. There's there's has been there's quite a number of, of yeah, it's hard to you have to look it up. Just look up the images pose. Sure. And you'll see they have a, they have a sort of manifesto. But really my I don't I guess my own inspiration is not so much other poets, but it's people. They're the ones that inspire me to write, not other poets. I don't really keep to the poetry scene. I don't really go to poetry readings or hang around other poets. A lot of my poems are written basically because they have being sparked by people and situations that have moved me or provoked me. Sure. So it's more internal than external, my inspiration.
0: Yes. And, you know, you've got some interesting um, poems in this book like murmuration which is a concrete poem which is uh, you know sort of riffing on the word murmuration in uh, in different line formations it's beautifully done but doesn't necessarily work as a as a red piece
1: no i just did that i just thought i wanted to do one concrete poem in this collection that is is a lot more playful than turbulence because it was written at a different stage of my life turbulence as this title suggests was a little bit more a little more agonising in its way because right. there's a lot of issues. But this decadence is deliberately, as this title suggests, a little, a lot more playful. And because of that, I wanted to do something. It's, I played around with a lot of different formats in this collection. So there is a concrete poem. There are poems made out of lists. There are poems that scream of consciousness with no punctuation and just big blabs. So I experimented a lot in what people think a real poem is, you
0: know. Yeah. I don't
1: know what people they think of a poem, but some – so this is what I thought, right, I'm just going to upend whatever notion you think of a poem, and I, I'll just how I do it. Some of them are prose poems. Some have no punctuation. Some rhyme. Some don't. Yeah, it's a, thought, it's a mixed bag, this collection.
0: Um, okay. Well, it's been really great having you on the show. Thank you very much uh, for coming on. So Decadence is available at all good bookshops, I, I would say. Is that right?
1: Yeah, I would hope so. Uh, at least all the good independent bookshops also available at the uh, University of Western Australian Publishing website. And yeah, no, I just want to put a quick plug. If you like Decadence, they have a big sale on at the moment, uh, my publisher. So Turbulence is on sale as well.
0: So... So better value if you go to the University no, of. Oh, uh, you can
1: get them both because yeah.
0: yeah,
1: I think they're not they're not sibling publications, but I think if you read the first one, you'll get a bit more out decadence because you can sort of track my journey of where I've been and where I've come from, and where I am now. Roughly.
0: Yes, yes, great. Well, it's a great book, and uh, congratulations again. No Rose. Thank you, Di. Thank you for having me on CCR. Yeah. Oh, well, thanks for being on. So my name is Di Cousins and I've been talking to Tui on about her new book, Decadence. And this has been the Spoken Word Program.